ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for What Do You Call It Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What Do You Call It Podcast. I'm your host, GB, and today's guest is a gamer, a powerlifter, and a wrestler, and someone's bad side I do not want to get on. Please give it up for the Iron Demon, Shane Mercer. How you doing today, mate? You all right? Yeah, what's up, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad, man. It's bloody hot down here. i tell you that, mate. So if I start sweating, it's not because I'm nervous. It's because it's really hot. So. <laughs> um, just before we kickstart the interview, I'd like to know, um, because you were still quite active, during the pandemic in terms of wrestling. I just want to know, what was it like for you to be wrestling in a pandemic? Um, you know, social distancing and the guidelines and, you know, basically all, all, all the nonsense, really. That was a little different at first because, you know, it just kind of happened like snap of fingers. It's a different world because uh, we still tried to have a show. I think it was like two weeks after the pandemic. I mean, kind of went like worldwide. Mm-hmm. And it was in a uh, closed-off facility. And I remember like going there. And there was uh, no fans or nothing, you know, used to being all these fans for all these years. And all of a sudden it's just like silence. I mean, sure, we had some of the wrestlers trying to clap and stuff to get us into it. But it's just, you know, it's a different ballgame. It's a different field of trying to get hype. You know, you're hurt a lot of times. You depend on that crowd, that energy to get you back into it. And it just it wasn't there anymore. So you got to just adapt and get into it. But then as time went on, you know, they started allowing crowds a little bit mm-hmm. in different states over here in the United States, a little bit different about certain areas with uh, like – one state may have no fans at all. Another state may allow like 20. And another may allow 100, depending on masks and all that sort. And oh, of course, okay. you chairs spread apart six feet in the audience. So it was vastly different. But then at this point, we was, all, we was just feeding on pretty much anything we could get. Yeah. You could get two fans there. We was happy with that as long as we got some type of interaction. No, that's cool, man. So you're sort of grateful just to have that little interaction and just to see, you know, just anyone there. So I can understand. That's cool. We, it's a bit strict over here. So it's only starting to open up now properly. So, you know, I'm looking forward as a wrestling fan, not just a podcaster, to watch live wrestling. Um, but this is shows about me. It's about you. So you've been wrestling for nearly about 15 years now. Is that correct? Yep, close to right around 15 years. Cool, man. And I'd like to know, just to go back to the beginning... Um, what is it that made you a wrestling fan? Um, well, actually, uh, I was, I remember my dad took me to his video store whenever mm-hmm. I was young. And, uh, you know, I liked Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, all the stuff, you know, kids loved at my age growing up and all that. Nice, and, good uh, taste. <laughs> I, I went there and I seen a, uh, I seen a videotape cover. I mean, I was little, maybe two, three years old. A videotape cover, and it had the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan on the cover. There was like electricity through the air and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, "Whoa, this is badass!" And I had to rent that. And once I rented that, that was the first match I went ahead fast forward to Warrior and Hogan. And I was like, "Oh shit! Like, damn, this is badass." As a kid, seeing like this is not a comic book, but this is as close as you can come to it—the real thing. And I just fell in love yeah. with that moment. That's a good match to start off. You know, basically being a wrestling fan, man. WrestleMania 6, man. Great show. Um, I want to know also, would they have been your favourites growing up? Because I was going to basically ask that, but would would it have been Ultimate Warrior or Hulk Hogan? Or as you got older, did your pace change a little bit? 
Well, my, cha- my taste definitely changed as I got older, you know, matured with it. But uh, I loved Ultimate Warrior first because the energy, adrenaline, that mm-hmm. intensity, all that just crazy stuff you've seen him do. Something about it was mesmerizing as a kid. But then, uh, of course, went over into uh, The Undertaker. Loved the things that he did and everything. And I was like, oh, this is different. Something alluring about it. And then, you know, middle 90s, late 90s, of course, I started loving uh, Taz, Rob mm-hmm. Van Dam. Got into those a whole lot and everything. And then uh, got to where I like a lot of the technical style, like Kurt Angle, Benoit, wrestlers like that. And I tried to, I guess you could say, put a little bit of each of those guys into my style of what I do. It definitely shows in your style. Um, I will talk about your style as well. Um, but I'm sort of, I can see it now, as you've mentioned, and just basically watching your uh, matches um, before the interview. But I'd like to know, um, as you're a powerlifter, because I know some listeners might be interested, uh, when is it that you actually became interested in that as well? Uh, that was about my sophomore year in high school. I used to weigh like 145 pounds right around there. And I was like, yeah, if I'm going to be a wrestler, I need to do something. That's when I decided I needed to go hit the gym. I didn't know nothing about what I was doing. I just, at the time, figured, well, I think I'll go in here and I'll just lift as heavy as I can and do it as many times as I can until something hurts. Yeah. And I guess that's how you work out. And then I guess that's kind of accidentally what got me into powerlifting because I had this notion of, uh, you know, seeing guys like Warrior and Goldberg pick up these big-ass dudes, and I always thought that was so cool, mm. like that superhero stuff like I was talking about. And I was like, wow, I want to be able to do that. And then whenever I implemented that in the gym, I was like, well, I learned I'm not going to get strong if I sit here and pick up 10-pound dumbbells over and over. I need to try to pick up heavy as I can, as much as I can all the time in order to be able to get stronger. And I start setting little goals here and there, like, okay, I'm going to hit this amount of weight then hit this amount of weight. Then it just got to where, of course, you know, I put on a ton of weight, put on a lot of muscle over the first few years and, like, rapidly increased. And I was like, wow, okay. And then it got to where I was, like, wanting to push my body in those mm-hmm. limits because I'll try to hit new – uh, new PRs, new personal records every week, trying to hit something, either break break a new weight record or break a new rep record, one or two, whichever comes first. Okay. Because um, I know you have got um, weight records. What weight records have you got or that you broke? Um, I, I mean, I myself, like, I haven't been to the gym for about five years, um, but I'm definitely certain that the listeners will want to know, so, you know, just basically your achievements in powerlifting just before we go back to wrestling. Oh, well, I have two in the state of Kentucky, and I have two in uh, Indiana. Mo- all these are for bench press. And mm-hmm. I have one national record for bench press, too. And I'm wanting to try to get a world record for the American Powerlifting Association for my weight class. Because uh, when they have weight classes broke down, I want to try to get the world record for my weight class in bench press. Whenever I can find a competition and ain't interfering with wrestling or so on and so forth. Nice, man. Nice. And um, what is it that inspired you to become a pro wrestler? Uh, just, I guess just the hobby of it whenever I was younger. I just wanted to, I wanted to dive into something I love. Like, you hear all the little kids in kindergarten, they get asked, what do you want to be? And they're like, oh, fireman, astronaut, yeah. monster truck driver, you know, something like that. I was like, wrestler. They're like, oh, okay. Fast forward to like 10th grade now. What do you want to be? Wrestler. Did not change. <laughs> so everybody, of course, back then look at you like, oh, why can't you go be a doctor, a lawyer, get into something? I'm like, well, I mean, I could, but am I going to be happy doing this? Probably not. Like, I could just settle into my environment about what's around me. What's around me is, like, fast food, farming, factories. That's really about it. But I just – I wouldn't be happy doing that. I knew I'd get up every day just, like, uh, And this, you know, I knew it was going to be a challenge because it's a far-fetched dream. It's very outside the realm of what 
people are used to, or I guess you're molded into doing, but I wanted to give it my all in a most realistic way possible to try to make that come true. And where is it that you trained uh, to basically start off your career? I started off the wrong way, how you shouldn't. I started off with me and my buddies doing backyard wrestling, and we went straight into a show in the state of Kentucky because I messed with a wrestler named Zodiac Wrestler on MySpace back in there in those fun days. And his name uh, popped up. It, it said Zodiac Wrestler. So I messaged him, like, yo, how do I do this? And he was like, fill out a license and you're a wrestler. And I'm like, it's all it takes? Like, legit, that's it? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. And I did it. And then me and my buddy went to the show and had this backyard-style match, which, granted, this is 2007, not now. Now it would be loved because the style has changed so much. Mm. But they uh, came out and was telling us we was doing too much stuff because the first match I was doing, like, top awesome bombs. He was kicking out at, like, two. And two <laughs> stones kicked out. And audience was eating it up when we was first match on the show but the guys in the back are like no you're killing the card you can't do that but i of course didn't understand i was like why they love it they're like no you're using every finisher on the show in one <laughs> oh oops so yeah we had to learn the hard way quick but then i got um picked up on a show later on by a couple veterans in the area named todd morton bullpain i started riding with them the shows and then that's really when i got taken under the wing kind of where the ropes of the business and how to understand what we do more. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, like, when, when did you actually sort of improve and not do 75 finishes in one match? But that, that, that's that's fair, man. I respect that. Um, yeah, it, took, it took about a year before I ran into them. And then I was like, okay, I get now why, looking back <laughs> at the first match, why they say all this. But back then, I was like, oh, why not? Let's go in there and kill each other. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you've had a lengthy tenure with IWA Mid-South. I just want to basically ask you what have been some of your favourite matches and some of your favourite moments with the company. Um, I like my steel cage match with Isaiah. I feel like that was really like I got thrown into that my first month of being there. Is a main event show there and I faced Isaiah in a steel cage match. I think maybe in 2014, 2015, I don't remember, but we – uh. We tore the house down to speak the dog shelter. So it was awesome. Just one of the first chances where I got to kind of meet somebody I clicked with who would become a friend of me, tag team partner, and uh, somebody I feuded with off and on in IWA for years. And mm -hmm. one of my best friends outside the ring today, Isaiah. And, uh, of course, I locked up with uh, Colt Cabana there on my birthday a few years ago. That was so cool with that. Nice. We had a cool match. Uh, Hurricane was a good one. I got to lock up with Pentagon there. Uh, my wars with Congo Khan. Love all my wars with Congo Khan there. It's somebody. Some of my favorite matches have been with him. I feel like that's really what kind of got me and him married for a while on the independence was uh, our wars at IWA Pizza. So, yeah, those are uh, a few to throw out there. And also, also with uh, John Wayne Murdoch, me and him was, um, tore each other's heads off plenty of times at IWA. Oh, Con is so underrated. I really enjoyed him in TNA. Um, really good. So, I want to know because it's actually my first. Um, First time I was made aware of you, um, but under a different name, uh, basically at your appearance in NXT. I just wanted to ask, what was your experience um, like being with WWE and how did you find the Street Profits? And also, did you know that you could be named Wiley Apex for the match? I had no idea about my name until the match. Actually, they gave us both names. I didn't know which one was mine until uh, the show aired. And I was like, okay, that's who I am. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, going into the street profits, it's cool to get to work with them. I mm -hmm. knew it was going to be a quick match, you know, like two or three minutes. I expected that. Mm -hmm. It was just cool to get in there and get to do something with them and everything. That the experience, the whole do all that was awesome to go to, get to go down there and experience that, especially during the, uh, I feel like it's kind of the hot years of NXT 
when yeah. everybody's on the rise and start getting a lot of on it. So that's pretty awesome. And did you interact with any of the wrestlers back there, uh, backstage, or was it just sort of in and out? I was in and out a lot, but some of the wrestlers I knew, like Chris Hero, he was still there at the time. So, of course, I've known Chris Hero and worked with him before. Mm. So, of course, he came up to me, you know, Cassius Ono in WWE, gave me a hug. He was like, oh, Mercer. Uh, Adam Pierce was down there at the time. He was on the, uh, he was one of the coaches, I think, down there before he went up to Raw and he became uh, whatever he's doing on there. Now, I don't know his official term or whatever he's doing. But yeah, he was cool because I got to lock up with him in one of his last runs. So, that was cool getting to run with some old faces down there for sure. Oh, wicked, man. Uh, one thing I will be asking now is about GCW. Uh, it has this cult-like following now, I've noticed. Um, I've, even I've been paying attention to it. I don't love all of it, but a lot of it I do really like. Uh, Game Change Wrestling. Uh, so basically, I want to know what is it that makes it special and um, why are the fans so fucking nuts? <laughs> I'm just a man if I was going to compare it to anything. Um, I don't know you yourself personally, if you was a uh, watched it then or seen it around. I don't know when you first started watching wrestling, but I used to watch ECW late night on Saturday night for like 2 o'clock in the morning. That's the mm-hmm. only time I could catch it. It was coming on at that time. But whenever I watched it, it had this underground feeling to it. And I started getting this like hype about it because that's when I found out about Rob Van Dam and Taz, and Sabu, you know, Sandman and all these guys. I'm like, man, there's something cult-like about this. This feels different. It's so different than the product. Mm. I feel like that's kind of like like GCW is like a modernized version of a today ECW almost. There's a cult like following, like you said. Definitely. And there's just something they say the name, they call themselves the last outlaw. So there's mm. something different, very different than it's not just going there and being about bloodshed. It's not just going there and being about like a super indie. It has a little bit of everything crisp mm. to the taste that fans know when they're going to go to a GCW show. They know they're going to see some of the absolute best on independence, whether it's death matches, whether it's cruiserweights, whether it's tag team, whether it's women wrestling, whatever they put on the card, everyone's giving it their all. So it's, they know each show there's something that's, you know, top mm. of the line word and it's got that classic feel to it. I think that was when I really paid attention to you as well. Like, I think it was a match you had against um, Lo- uh, not I say Logan Paul, uh, <laughs> Logan Stunt. Uh, just, just tortured the little fucker, uh, but it was awesome, man. It was awesome. I just, I just love it. it. Just as you said, like it does remind you of ECW. I don't love all of it. Some of it's a bit too much for me, but some of it I do really like. And um, I'm a fan of you in GCW, man. Um, who have been some of your toughest opponents? Um, I always loved locking it up with my partner KTB. Right now, me and him had a few one-on-ones there. That was always good. Uh, love locking up with Chris Dickinson. Me and him always beat the uh, ever living shit out of each other. So that's a, <laughs> always a good time there. Uh, let me see who else. Uh, Sekimoto, a few years ago, that's definitely one of my favorite opponents there whenever he came over from Japan. That's probably uh, one of my top five matches there I've had. And uh, Eli Everfly, that was my first one on one match there. I feel like that's what really kind of put me on the map to start with. Mm. At, uh, it was at that same show. Uh, they said it couldn't be done. Me and him faced each other, and he uh, it's one more powerbomb him into the crowd to like the fourth or fifth row. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the height you can get as well, like just like the one arm press slams you do, fucking strength, man. And like, I know I sound like I'm brown nosing, but like it's genuine strength. Like, I used to always pop when the British Bulldog used to do it, and like Warrior, but I thought Warrior used to kind of cheat because he'd grab a again. <laughs> but um, one thing I do want to ask as well because um, I, I know I've, I sort of switched to the um, powerlifting but another thing I want to switch to is the gaming um, basically what games are you currently playing oh 
currently I've started working on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm just trying to wait on some uh, exclusives because I finally got me a PlayStation 5. Finally managed to get one off eBay after paying way more than I should have for it, but I wanted one. And right, I know, of right. course, we got, a, we got E3 coming up next week, so we're going to see all kinds of new games and stuff popping out. That's going to be awesome. But really, I'm just uh, trying to get on that and working on Resident Evil Village. Just anything new, I'm trying to get in whenever I got time. Game out of but that's my mm. that's my piece away from the room, my kind of sway, folks way to sit here in my little environment and just game out. I can imagine that when you get that little time, but it's not as easy for me. I can just play whenever I want, but I can understand it. Um, what's your favorite gaming console of all time? Of all time. Uh, Put you on the spot here. there, sorry. <laughs> I, man, I'd probably have to go with either the uh, PlayStation 2 or N64. I feel like uh, PlayStation N64, 2 so I can never say a bad word about it. And 64 had so many classics on it back then. I remember sitting around with my buddies playing Goat Nights, all that stuff. Just so many memories that mm. you keep going back. Or, uh, people talk about video games. You know, you don't hear about like GameCube much or like the in-betweens. You hear everyone seems to go back to PlayStation and 64. And that's, there's just a lot of memories with those. I thought, what was the other ones? Well, like Dreamcast, I thought that was fucking terrible. I just had nothing but problems with it. But um, that's just me moaning. <laughs> so um, just to wrap the interview up, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, coming on. And I haven't sweated too much, which is great. Um, on your tour of destruction, I want to know, is there anyone that you've got your eyes set on as a future opponent that you've not wrestled yet? Well, i got two of them. One is Nick Gage. I was supposed to face him three separate times, and every one of them has fell through for some reason. Either he's injured or something came up or another, and I feel like that will happen sooner or later. I got another one that I've been waiting for for a while, but it's finally going to happen July 3rd at Violence and Suffering, and that is me and Brian Cage. We're going to finally get to lock it up. I've been waiting on that one for a minute. Oh, the, but now oh, it's the horses, mate. Like, poof. Fucking hell. I feel okay. like I got to lock it up with all the mainstream horses. You see Elgin. I wrestled him. I wrestled Jeff Cobb. You know, I wrestled most of the considered big dudes in some way, shape, or form. For some reason, Cage never happened until now, finally. That's going to be a sick match. And I mean that in a good way. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be just beating the shit out of each other. It's great. But um, <laughs> sorry for my enjoyment. I'm a fan. Awesome. So where can fans find you on social media? Uh, you can find me pretty much across everything. If you look a little bit, you can find me on TikTok. You can find me on Twitch. You can find me on Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of it. You can look up on Twitter at The Iron Demon or just type in on Facebook, Instagram, Shane Mercer, Twitch, Shane Mercer, you know, all of it. Just search The Iron Demon, Shane Mercer, and you'll find me in a similar shape or form across most social media. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for coming on to what you call it podcast. Everyone out there still listening, there will be more episodes coming out in the future. But for now, I want you all to stay safe. Take care. <laughs>